Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Randy Rourke and we have a great episode of the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast for you today. Hey, are you a practice owner? I mean, do you, what I mean by that is, do you own a veterinary practice? Did you know, if so, that we have an Uncharted Veterinary Practice Owners Group? That's right, there's a community inside the Uncharted community that is just practice owners. They have their own closed meetings, they have their own resources, they have their own uh, like online social gatherings, and coming in 2020, they will have their own conference. That is right. The Uncharted Practice Owners Mini Conference is coming this year, next year, 2020. That's when it's happening. It's happening in June 2020, and it is going to be all new, all different. It is going to be built on the Uncharted engine. And what that means is we will be making content and resources to serve our members and our community as they go. And it's going to be a positive, supportive, engaged uh, atmosphere and environment. And it's going to be a new little tribe inside of our bigger tribe. And so if you are a practice owner and you're out there in the world and you're feeling like you're alone, come, come, come with us. Come, come and try out Uncharted. It really is a wonderful place. You really will get a lot out of it. It is going to be something that um, that I think is going to do a lot of good in the world. And it's going to make you enjoy practice more. So if you like the podcast, if you own a practice, it's, it's time. It's time to come get on board. Come and check this thing out. Head over to UnchartedVet.com. Sign up for an Uncharted membership. You can go ahead. We do our watch parties every Monday night. We just had a, uh, a watch party last uh, two nights ago on building culture, and it was wonderful and well attended, and everybody chatted through the video, and the speaker was there to answer questions, and it is pretty darn awesome. We've got lots of other stuff coming up. We'll be rolling out our 2020 calendar very soon with our intensive courses, and we're going to have some webinars. We have a lot of discussion groups, and I can just keep going on and on and on, but I'm not going to. <laughs> If you're a practice owner, you got to check this out. UnchartedVet.com. Try us out. Be a member. See what you think. It really does make a huge difference. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and my colleague, Stephanie. Boss gets a dollar, I get a dime. That's why I poop on company time, Goss. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yes. I can't even with you. That's what we're talking about today. That's the mindset. I love it. <laughs> that's uh, so. That's it. We're getting, we're totally getting the explicit lyric tag on <laughs> iTunes for this. <laughs> Uh, I really, I really hope my mom's not listening to this episode. That's right, Patty. <laughs> Steph poops on company time. All right, let's oh move. Let's move quickly from here. Let's pretend this never happened. What? So what do we? What do we got today? We got All a good right. one, I think. Let's. Um. So we got we got some stuff. We've got. Um. We have an argument that I saw that came up. Um. I've seen it a couple of places. It's one of those things where you know everything kind of comes in waves. And so uh, there's problems that go away, and then all of a sudden everyone's having the same problem. Mm-hmm. This is that problem for right now. Yep. And uh, I think it's for a variety of reasons. I think it's because we are coming out of the summer, and so yeah. things are slowing down, and the pace is changing, and that means different things to different people. So the problem is frustrated owners and managers who say, my staff is shopping on Amazon, doing social media, not doing the extracurricular things that I want them to do. Yeah. And I, how do I, they're lazy. They're being lazy. And how do I make them work? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that's the, the pain point that is coming across. I think there's a lot here. I think that people have, um, on one side, you have people who are looking and saying, they're being lazy. My staff needs to work. And on the other side, you have the staff who's saying, my boss is micromanaging me and riding me, and I need a break. I need a break. Mm-hmm. How do mm-hmm. we reconcile those things? So let me just ask you first off, Steph, have you, 
am I am I wrong here? Is this a thing that we see that is common, or is it? Uh, am am I just seeing a, a rare rare instance? It's totally it's totally a thing. It's totally common. I'm actually really glad that you already brought up the fact that I have seen this traditionally it happens a lot more right now it really is a seasonality thing i think for a lot of clinics because when you are in the midst of summer crazies and you are go 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 your team is working their butts off and nobody even has time to pee let alone to do anything personal on company time because those are those 12 hour days where nobody gets a break, nobody eats, you eat using tongue depressors in the treatment room while you're, you know, putting a catheter in a pet because you just don't have time. And when school starts and there's that lull and things kind of slow down a little bit before the holidays hit and the holidays crazies start, everybody, I think, I think there is very much a sense for a lot of um, veterinary employees of I've just spent the last three months working my tail off and I need two seconds to breathe. And so I think there does become this attitude in a lot of clinics of like, I'm going to, I'm going to catch up on all of the things that I needed to have done or that I, you know, wanted to do over the last three months that I didn't have time to. So I think there are a lot of clinics that see this much more frequently during the dips like this in the downtime after it has been absolutely insane. I think there really is something to that. I I would add to that and say that in the fall, as we come out of the summer, I completely agree that we see the dip in the clinic rush uh, very often, depending on your clinic, but often things let up a little bit from the summer in the clinic, but things in personal lives explode Yep. Be- because we're going back to school and all of a sudden the extracurriculars for the kids are kicking back in. We don't have an established, you know, home workflow yet. So it's like, are you taking the kid to volleyball or am I taking the kid to volleyball? You know, and mm-hmm. there's all those stressful things that we get worked out. But the fall is when none of that stuff is worked out. And now it's all appearing on the schedule. And, <laughs> you know, man, we, I, my kids have been in school for solid five, five-ish weeks now. Mm-hmm. they just got my daughter on the bus route yesterday. Okay. Oh my God. I, I know. And so we've been able to swing it and make it work and get people to k- pick my daughter up from school. But man, I don't, I don't know how some people made it if they weren't mm-hmm. able to, to lean on family and stuff the way that we were. And so this whole time we've been trying to freestyle and get my daughter home from school in the afternoons. And mm-hmm. I just throw that out there as another part of the chaos that appears at this time of year that people yeah. are, are, are dealing with. And so when home lives are chaotic and work lives slow down, I think it's easy to see how home lives can spill into work time as people just try to get everything done. A hundred percent. And I think in a lot of clinics too, um, a lot of our teams have also gone back to schools themselves. So like I know I have four out of my six assistants that are in school right now. And so they've all started back in school. They're trying to get into the swing of things. And something that I I hear really commonly, um, it wasn't necessarily a part of this discussion, but I think it is, is um, team members who are like, oh, I got to turn in that test or, oh, I got to finish that homework assignment. And so this is the time of year where I often see a lot of managers going, my team is doing their homework on the clock. What do I do about this? And it's that same kind of, that same kind of argument where you have that spillover of personal life. And I think that you're totally right that it amps up for people in the fall, just as things in the clinic are slowing down. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Okay. Now this is a spectrum and on one end of the spectrum, there is the expectation that employees are robots who shift seamlessly from one task to another task and they do not stop working until the end of the day. And they, you know, and at which point they shut down mm-hmm. and go to sleep mode until the next day. That's not, that's not realistic. These are, these are human beings that we're talking about. You know, right. they burn out, they get stressed. They, they, they have a mental capacity that does get exceeded. And at some point we just have to take a break, which is why we have, laws that protect lunch breaks and <laughs> things like that because they do need to take a break they're not robots they're human beings. absolutely 
At the other end of the spectrum is me justifying doing as little work as possible. Go, oh man, I worked so hard over the summer. I am just, I just, I just can't. I just can't do mm-hmm. anything. You know what I mean? And it's, it really is trying to get out of everything that I can and not doing an acceptable amount of work and taking the practice owner's money or, you know what I mean? The taking the, the, the salary or the hourly wage without doing work that's comparable to that. And that, that's not fair. And that's, that's not right. Mm-hmm. And everybody can agree mm-hmm. on that. So that's the spectrum. So mm-hmm. we've got to find the place in the spectrum that everyone is happy. And let, let's start off talking to the managers and the owners, because that's really where this problem that's where the problem gets articulated from, right? The employees yes. never say, look, Andy, I'm really upset. I've, uh, I'm <laughs> taking a lot of free time for myself and I'm doing a lot of shopping. I'm getting a lot of things accomplished in my personal life. I, I feel bad, feel bad about it. And I need your help. Like I have never gotten that email. Oh my God. It's but, true. <laughs> uh, but we get the other side. The other side are the people who, who sort of freak out and they're like, my staff is in the in the dark moments when they're really upset, they say my staff is lazy or mm-hmm. my staff is stealing and doing their home right. you know things. yeah, that that's an emotional response and 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 we started the way we did because I don't want people I, don't, I understand that emotion and and this is the thing. um I understand that, right? So mm-hmm. as a business owner, I know what it's like when you are looking at the business and maybe it's not doing as well as you want. Right. Or maybe you're worried about payroll or maybe you're seeing the income to the practice drop because that summer rush is over. And so now practice finances are falling and you're starting to go, Ooh, we're not making the money that we have been making. How, how big is this dip going to be? And at the same time, you look at your people and they're shopping, you know, online and, and hanging out and, you know, and not working like they have been. emotionally that's really scary and that you know what i mean like i think if we empathize for a minute you would get that right like you're the one on the hook for payroll yeah and you're you're feeling that panic and then you look around and people are doing personal stuff you can see how that would be a triggering event i think that that drives a lot of this when people really snap do you agree Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think um, you articulated it very well that there there is, I think, a panic for a lot of owners and managers um, at this time of year, exactly for the reason that you said, which is that the the flow shifts, the income into the clinic often t- does take a dip for for clinics historically in the September, October months. And you do start to think about that. You start to think about payroll and, and making sure that your team is running lean and mean and that you're not, you're not over and you're not under, like you want to be in that sweet spot. And that that's a lot of anxiety to manage. And so it is really easy. And, and I know that I have been guilty of being in that space and thinking, are they serious right now? Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we're going to pay everybody and not have to cut people's hours and not send people home. And people are sitting on the clock. Like there's 10 million things that they could be doing right now. Why are they not, why are they not doing any of those things? Like I I know that feeling it is, it is, um, it is one that is not easy to fall into, but I understand where, where you're coming from when you have that moment. And so I think that it's important to take a step back and look at it from the bigger picture. But I do think that you're right, that you absolutely can empathize with why you might feel that way. And I think a lot of it comes from that stress um, of a, that financial stress on, yeah. a, on a manager and, and, and owner perspective. Sure. Yeah, I, I that's what I think. The times that I see people have this conversation right now mm-hmm. when there's the dip coming out of the summer and yeah. then into the year. Yep. When it's the holidays and pet yep. owners are reprioritizing their resources. So yep. we all see this, you know, people, yep. it's hard to get people to do stuff for their pets, especially wellness things for their pets in December because they're all getting ready for Christmas. And then in January, it's equally yep. hard because they spent all their money at Christmas and they're really trying to, to sort of refill the savings or, or get back up, pay, pay the credit card bill for December. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, th- those are the times that, that I, that I, see this a lot now let's so that's that's the empathy for the 
practice owner and practice manager. I love the way you put it. You're like, guys, seriously, like I'm looking at these numbers and then you guys are sitting around and yeah. you know, I'm, are you, are you serious with me right now? Flipping it to the other side and looking at the employee standpoint, they worked really hard over the summer and yeah. now they're not used to finding things to do because things have yeah. just been put in front of yeah. them and put on them. And so it is a mindset shift to go from, I am going to run as fast as I can all day, just keeping our heads above water to, I am now creatively coming up uh, with things to do and spotting the things that are not urgent, but mm -hmm. they do need to happen. Yep. And I think, I, I think most, of, I think most of us probably need maybe a kick in the butt to make that, to make that switch. I know, I, I know I do. Um, yeah. In my home life, I need that, you know, from my wife and I are hustling just to try to keep all the balls in the air to now we have some downtime. Hey, isn't this a good time to do those projects we've been putting off right. and mm -hmm. actually get them done? I, I, yep. I don't think that's hard to understand. No, not at all. And and I think you're totally right that it's hard. Um, it's hard for the team and having been a member of the team I, I empathize with that side as well because it's like you've been running around like crazy and it is stop and think, okay, what do I do? What do I do now? And I think that there's some solutions to that. And we're going to, I think we're going to talk about some tools for, for how you, how you deal with that and help, how you help the team get there. But I think that that is a, a, a big part of the equation on this, on the staff side is just that ability to recognize and without needing that direction, because it is true when stuff is just walking in the door every five seconds, you don't have to think you just do. And then when that stops, it's like, okay, now what do I, now what do I do? <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So let's, let's reconcile this. So let's, let's move on. Let's move into the action phase. So okay. you're the manager or you're the owner and uh, you're coming into the clinic and the staff is making um, I don't know. They're they're making flyers for their not clinic related Christmas party, and they're and they're doing and they're they're just doing some shopping and they're they're hanging on social media. Yeah. Right? Let's yep. let let's start with Headspace because I I just it's the your formula, favorite place right? to spot. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got to get your head straight to deal with this. What do you not? What do you not want to do? Um, freak out on everybody. Freak out on everybody. They're all fired. Oh yeah, you're like that's it. Everybody is fired. Everybody's fired. That's <laughs> and it. And I say I say that with so much love for my fellow managers and practice owners because, dude, I've been there. I'm like, God, I just I I want to fire them all. Like, oh. let's just put it down and start over. Everyone is fired. Go home. <laughs> like, Can yeah. So, so what, <laughs> what you want to do, I think what, so, okay. What you don't want to do is the easiest thing to do, which is to wrap yourself up in that fear emotion and let it turn to anger around you. Right. Yeah. And then you take out your concern for the dip in pet owner visits or, you know, or, or, or whatever you take it out on the staff right. and the words, the word that forms in your mind is generally something like insubordination. <laughs> like they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. They're, they're spiting me. And you grab your broomstick and you fly to the clinic <laughs> with your flying monkeys to really wreak havoc. And you kick the door open with your flaming sword of justice drawn. <laughs> And you just start taking heads. <laughs> and that is what you want to do. And that is the easiest thing to do is I'm going to kick ass and take names. And, and, and it's because it's because the employees are, a, are people you can actually point your anger at, you know, and sure. And you're, yeah. So anyway, kicking the door open and smiting them. Not with, a good idea. Yeah, with your rage, not a good idea, right? right? 
In fact, right now, when you decide, hey, these people are using company time to do their own stuff, they're, uh, they're not doing the things they should be doing, right when you have that realization, that is a dangerous time. Because if you do charge in there, and so joking aside, if you do charge in there and start saying, why are you not doing these things? You need to get over there. I'm installing cameras here. You can, like, you have two options here, right? You can sit down at the table with your staff and start to have a productive conversation about what needs to happen, right? And where we need to go. Mm -hmm. Or you can go in there and call them lazy and tell them that they're disrespectful. Mm -hmm. At which point they will flip the table over and draw their pistoles. Mm -hmm. And now you're in a Mexican standoff where everybody's hiding with their guns out. And right. anyone who sticks their head out is getting a hail of bullets, right? Right. Like that, that's, that's not what we want at mm -hmm. all. But mm -hmm. people can get real defensive real fast. Mm -hmm. And I see managers and owners feel this way, which is totally justifiable way to feel. Like mm -hmm. I think we can all understand how you'd feel that way. Mm -hmm. If you draw your guns and go in there, your staff will draw their guns. And this is a bad metaphor, but they, no, it, no, it's a good one. I they, mean, it will may, divide. It may, they will so, divide so. and they will dig in and they will fight you without listening to what you're saying. And it will become a huge, nasty mess that I have seen more than once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it will feel personal and they will feel like uh, I just worked my butt off all summer long and you don't care about me. And I've got, you know, X, Y and Z happening at home and I need to deal with this like it will it will become personal in an instant, even if you don't intend for it to be. And that is absolutely when everybody will draw their guns and you will have you will have the standoff. It right. it is totally true. Yeah. So do so honest to God. I know we joked a lot right here recently. Hear me when I say this. Do not detonate this situation, right? Mm -hmm. Do It is better for you to deal with this in the coming months than it is for you to charge in there today, blow the whole thing up, and now you've got months of repair just to get back to where you are now. Yep. Resist the urge to fix this, to quote-unquote fix this problem today. So... Don't do it. Just relax. Okay. First step in the headspace process, recognize what this is about, recognize your own emotions. So sit for a second. Once you take some deep breaths, feel your body. This sounds, I know this sounds ABDB. Bear with me. Feel your body. Feel that tightness in your chest, right? Feel it. And you go, what is that? That's anxiety, right? That's, that's anxiety that you're feeling. It's uh, maybe hurt feelings that you're feeling because you mm -hmm. feel you feel like that you're being mistreated. Whatever it is, just feel those emotions. Understand that they are there. Breathe through it. And once you recognize, I am feeling anxiety or I am feeling resentment. Mm -hmm. Now I can put that on the table and go, okay, that's how I feel. What am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And I just think that that really stopping to think for a second about what's going on here. Am I really upset with the staff? Or am I worried about the financials of the practice? Or am I worried about um, setting a precedent for the future? Or wh whatever's going on. Like, what is your concern? And so get that out on the table first. Mm -hmm. And then you have got to happy Afro the hell out of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's Andy with his big glittery Ooh, Afro. I'm, I'm opening... I'm opening, I, I don't know, in my mind now I have I have a closet that I open and in it on a pedestal is the happy the sparkle happy afro. afro wig. I love it. With rainbows that I pick up and I put on to go and talk to the staff, right? Okay. So happy afro, happy. You have got to be happy about this. If you cannot go and talk to your staff or to the associate doctor that works for you or to whoever you're going to have to talk with, if you cannot smile at that person, if you cannot sit next to them, if you cannot shake your head and smile at the idea of them shopping online, when you're like, come on, you've got to be kidding me here. Right. Right. Then you're not ready to have this conversation. 
if if you and don't lie to yourself because we can always say no no i'm fine look if if you have a hard time stopping the anger or the hurt from bubbling up in your chest you're not ready to have this conversation and there is no reason for you to have this conversation today if you're like oh, but i if i don't talk to them they'll do it again tomorrow so what they'll right. they'll do it again tomorrow this is the long game and right. that's why that's why i start off talking about the standoff that is what is at stake do not blow this let them let them slack today and tomorrow and the next day if that's what you need to do to get your breathing down to get your head straight to just get into a non-emotional place where you're like, this is what's going on. It's We're going to deal with it. <sighs> but this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's where you need to get so that you can go and sit at the table without turning it over. And so you've got to get the happy part right. So happy, Afro, get the happy part right. Be able to sit next to these people and talk to them as a friend and someone who cares about them. And then Afro, are you assuming good intent? Do not go into this conversation thinking these people are trying to rob you. Do not think that they are like, ha, 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 I'm punching in, and then I'm going to do some shopping because I'm right. a bad person, and I'm going <laughs> to rip this chump off. They are not. Assume good intent, which is what Steph and I talked about at the very beginning. They are. They have been working hard, and they've probably got stuff in their personal lives that are going crazy, and the holidays are coming, and they've got, you know, they've got some things going on. They're just not used to finding things to do. They're used to having things put in front of them. And now it's a mental shift. They just haven't made the shift yet. Assume good intent. Assume that your people are good people, right? Yeah. Assume that they've been, uh, have, they, have they been set up to fail? Have they been set up to fail? When we talk about that, right? Do they know what they should or could be doing? Have we ever talked to them about what they can do when it's slow? Have we told them what is helpful? Have we told them what would really be useful and beneficial to the practice if we were able to get done? Do they know what things are important but not urgent? Because those are the things that we could be doing now. And let me tell you, for those managers and owners who are sitting there going, yes, I've had this conversation. I've told them that. If you told them that one time, six or nine months ago when it was slow, oh, hey, we have a rainy day checklist and when it's quiet, you need to do these things. That's not telling them. That's not. You are not setting them up for success. You are setting them up to fail. It has to be an ongoing part of your cultural expectation. And they have to hear it over and over again because I'm sorry, I am really good at my job and I am also very good at remembering things. But if you tell me something one time, nine months ago when it was slow and expect me to remember it after the summer crazies, it's not going to happen. And so that is some, that is a, that is a point in time where I think we do need to sit back and we need to point the fingers back at ourselves before we point them at someone else and, and think, have we actually set them up for success here? Do they really actually know? No, I agree. And related to that also under, have they been set up to fail? Have they been given them, given reasonable expectations, right? Do they know what is expected of them? Right. And I, I see that as a big problem a lot of times. So I see this a lot with vets, okay? So when I see a practice owner that's angry at the associate vet, a lot of times it is a mismatching of expectations. So in the scenario that we're talking about here, the practice owner comes to me and says, you know, I've got this, I've got this vet and she's in there and she's doing online shopping and she's on social media mm-hmm. and she should be doing uh she should be out in the waiting room talking to clients and building relationships that is totally valid a hundred percent valid and it would help the vet to be out there building the relationships and it helps the practice it's true all that's true right it's interesting how people look at the role of the associate veterinarian if you're a practice owner and oh so let me just do it the other way say i'm, I'm the associate vet And my expectation is you're paying me this salary and in exchange, I will be here in the clinic and I will see all of the cases that come in and I will write up my charts and I will call back my uh, diagnostics Mm -hmm. and handle customers that are put in front of me. Mm -hmm. If that is my expectation and you're my boss, Steph, you're the practice owner, your Mm -hmm. expectation is, Andy, you will be here working for... 45 hours a week 
and that means you and that means you will do things including see the patients write up the charts do the callbacks and in the other time when clients are not in the building you will be helping us uh, refine the website you will be helping us make social media posts you will be training the staff you know blah 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 again not wrong right those are just two different expectations of what it means to be an associate vet right and so a lot of times I think that associate vets are quote unquote set up to fail because they have an expectation of what the job is they were hired for (laughs) and the owner has a different expectation and now the owner is coming down on the vet when that expectation was never made clear and discussed in a productive way or if it and and again for my practice owners and managers out there who are like oh but I made it clear it's in their job description again if it's in their job description, which you reviewed with them one time when they interviewed for the job, and then you've never revisited that, you've not made it clear to them. You've not set the expectation. You are setting them up to fail. So it has to it has to be an ongoing conversation for the associate vets, too. Yeah. A, assume good intent. F, have they been set up to fail? R, what is your role here? What is your responsibility? And again, this is headspace. Before you go in there with flaming sort of justice. What is your responsibility here? Have they been talked to about what they can be doing? What is important? You know, honestly, even things like having, um, having a, having morning huddles and saying, guys, this is what we have in the hospital. This is what's coming in. These are the things that I would like to get accomplished today. If we have breaks in the action Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people go, but I don't want to do that forever. If we start like that, a lot of times they learn. We can get, you know what I mean? They can come to yeah. learn what we're doing. The other thing is this may be a conversation you have weekly with your head technician and say, mm-hmm. these are the things that are important. Yep. I want you to articulate these at morning huddles or morning rounds and make sure that people know what they can do. Mm-hmm. So what is my role? What is my responsibility? And O is the outcome. What, what do I want to achieve? Mm-hmm. And again, recognize that. People are not robots. The idea that they are going to work continuously all day long without taking a break, without socializing, like that that's an unrealistic expectation. And honestly, you don't want that. That's not the clinic that you want to try to create. Yeah. What is a reasonable, realistic outcome where they feel good about working at your clinic? They don't feel like they work for a slave driver mm-hmm. and you feel like they are on board and they have your back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so we have our happy afro on. All right, cool. Happy afro. And then, and then what happens? What what are what are our what are our tools? Like, how do we actually how do we actually deal with this? We know we're not going to run in with our flaming sword of justice, but right. how do how do we make that leap from where we are? And we can see. I think both you and I can um, empathize with both the owner manager seat here and the team member seat here, whether it's a, a team, a paraprofessional staff or an, or an associate vet, like how do we make that leap into actually addressing the concern? Right. I, I think we, I think you look at this in two phases. I think that there is an acute phase response, okay. a short-term phase response. And then there's the larger, bigger picture response. Okay. Um, the, the other way to look at this rather than short term and long term is there's a symptom response mm-hmm. and there's an underlying condition response. And mm-hmm. so to use a medical phrase. So the first thing, the short term thing is treating the symptoms and that's saying, Hey, people are hanging around and they're standing around. They're not doing the things, you know, that they could be doing or, or should be doing. Let's address that. Mm-hmm. And so the short term action steps for me, we already talked about one which is talk to them about what is important. Talk to them about the things that could be done, the things that um, are maybe not going to be right in front of their face, but just the fact that like, hey, guys, um, these are things that are important. Call out the shift. Just say, hey, guys, it was a great summer. You guys worked really, really hard. We've been really busy. Mm-hmm. Around this time of year, we usually start to slow down a little bit, and that means that people have more free time. We're going to need to transition from just trying to get through the day and get everything done mm-hmm. to doing things that are important, but maybe aren't as urgent. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, you, you hear, that's exactly the wording that I'm going to use, right? It's mm-hmm. not judgmental. It's not, mm-hmm. you, I've noticed that you guys are sitting on your ass a lot. 
Right. And I'm not okay with it. <laughs> Let's talk about your laziness. Like, I'm not, that's not what we're doing, right? We're, we're, we're just having the conversation. And again, it's not, it's not a point of conversation. You may notice that we're starting to slow down for the fall, which is fine. I want to bring this to everybody's attention and go ahead and start talking about what we can do and where we go. We can talk about those huddles. You can start leveraging your leaders in the in the in the practice. You can have the one-on-ones with your associate vets or have the one-on-ones with the technicians and say, "Cool. I expect us having some more free time coming up. What are the things that that are important but maybe not urgent that we could be working on?" Mm-hmm. And now I am sending those signals about what my expectations are. We're having those conversations and not in a aggressive way, in a very right. matter of fact way. Right. Well, and you're involving them in the process too, which is for me as a leader is always an important piece of it. Like I, there's nothing I hate. Well, there's lots of things I hate more. I was just going to say there's nothing I hate more. But one of the things that is really a big pet peeve for me is when it does slow down and everybody looks at me for the answer and and wants me to magically pull a list of all of the things that I want them to do out of nowhere. And okay, if I sit there and think, I am sure that I can come up with that list. But I also want to know what do they see? What, you know, what are things that they feel like need to get done and are important? Because yeah, I can give them a whole list, but they also have valuable input and often will see things or come up with things that I w- wouldn't have even thought of. And so the ability to conversation and say, hey, guys, what what let's let's make the list. Everybody needs to have a rainy day checklist. When's the last time we looked at that as a team? Is there crap on there from five years ago that's no longer relevant? Like what what's on our rainy day checklist? And let's add to it. Let's clean it up. And then let's do something with it so that it becomes a part of the ongoing conversation and not just something that we pull out once a year or worse that we have the expectation that they're going to self-direct to go pull out once a year because that's an unrealistic expectation and it's going to fail probably 99% of the time. So to have that conversation, whether it's at huddle or whether it's at a team meeting or even just on the fly to say, okay, hey, I I recognize, I, you know, I, I have had those moments where team members have come to me and said, I, what am I supposed to be doing? Like it's, it's quiet right now. What, what am I supposed to be doing? And then I feel the, the pressure and the pinch as a manager to be like, uh, a really quick brainstorm. And I can pull, again, I can pull it out of nowhere and I can do, I can do that, but it's probably going to be half-assed. And so to put it back on them and say, well, what do you guys think needs to be done and brainstorm that list together? You're involving them in the process and it's going to go so much further than if you just tackle it yourself. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, the Just to summarize, a to-do list that your team comes up with is exponentially more likely to get done than yeah. a to-do list that you give to them. Yeah. And part of that is because they, they came up with it. So there's an, an innate sense of ownership. But the other part is they will make a to-do list that will make their lives easier and better. 100%. And, and you you just you just don't know what the techs right. are up against in the room or the front desk or the kennel assistants. And they do. So let them tell you. Yeah. And then yeah. let them work on something that they feel good about and they feel like this benefits me, so I'm going to do it. I think that's a big part. Now is the other time, too, where... Steph and I talk throughout the year about training, 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 training. If things are slowing down in your practice, now is the time to train. And so you can ask your people, what type of training would you guys like to do? What would you like to learn about? What would you like to work on? Or you can come to them and say, here are two things I am interested in doing training on. What else would you guys like to do in the coming months? And then between now and things picking back up in March, you can you know lay those things in, but this mm-hmm. is the time you'll either get organized and decide what you're going to be doing for an education training standpoint, or you won't, and training won't get done. And I think um, I I think that that is so important. And I think a lot of the times I think we all as 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 leaders recognize that when it's slow, it's it's time to make hay while the sun shines, right? Like let's do the training. We know it's slow. We know it's going to get crazy. So let's take advantage of the time. And I, I think often we get paralyzed with not knowing where to start 
And so we never start because we're like, oh, well, we know we should be training, but what, what are we supposed to be training on? And the fear of not having something at the ready to tackle keeps us from starting in the day-to-day flow of the clinic. And so again, that's where, like you said, asking the team, what do you guys want to train on? But also um, involving the whole, the whole team um, so that you can do things on the fly. You don't have to have a big formalized training program for everything. You, you should in the long game have, have a plan, but in the short game, it is very easy to take opportunities to create training opportunities with your team as you go. Perfect example. The other day, um, I watched my team. Uh, we, I, I don't know how it transpired. We had a patient come in and for whatever reason, the, um, doctor wanted an in-house urinalysis. Um, and we don't, we don't really do UAs in the clinic hardly ever. We, we send almost all of ours out to the lab and, um, everybody who was working that day, uh, is relatively new assistants and none of them knew what they were supposed to do because they'd never seen it because we don't yeah. do it. And so the doctor asked who can set up a urinalysis and they all just were like, no, I don't no, I don't know. And so they, as a team were like, okay, everybody in the hallway, I like, let's we're we were finishing with morning appointments. We had the one client left. It was like, let's get everybody together. The, the doctor actually helped with that patient. And then it was like, okay, when we come back from lunch, we're going to take 15 minutes and we're going to create that on the fly opportunity to, to train on something that just has come up in, in the course of the day. And it was so awesome to see. And I know that the team appreciated it. And they also had a much more active buy-in to the process because, like you said, it was something that was making their jobs easier. They recognized that they didn't know how to do it. And it was a safe space for them to admit that they didn't know how to do it. And they did it. It wasn't this big, like, okay, you're working on your training process and this is what we're going to work on next. You should be doing those things, but you also should not overlook the opportunities for uh, training on things as as they come up in, in the flow of the day. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. Right. Perfect. Okay. So, I said, you know, there's a short-term and a long-term play, and there's the symptoms and the disease, and uh, and getting people organized. That's just treating the symptoms, and sometimes that's all that we need to do, and we're great. The longer-term play or the deeper play or the underlying disease play uh, is this. If you are struggling with this along and along and again and again and again, and it continues to go on and it's not getting better, um, we have either triggered a standoff, which is uh, a problem, or we have an underlying condition and you treat them both the same way. And this is a longer term play, but this is how you handle them. You treat it like an, like a lack of employee engagement. Okay. Mm -hmm. So often it's just, they don't know. We haven't had the conversation. Worst case is we end up with, uh, why do we do what we do? What's important to us about, um, about working here in this clinic? What makes us special? So we're going to talk about the why. We're going to talk about our mission. We're going to talk about our core values. This is the time to start back at the beginning. People go, oh, Andy, really? I'm super busy. I don't have time for that. If you're struggling with employee engagement, you don't have time not to do this. Go back. Talk to them about what's important. Talk to them about the core values, the mission, the vision, um, the why of the practice. Listen to them, but go through those types of core values exercises to get them to buy back in. If you don't know what I'm talking about and you're like, I don't know what these core values are or these exercises of which you speak, but I want to know them, guys, check out the easiest thing I would say. This this is a lot and there's a lot to guide here and do here as far as building the clinic culture and things like that. My recommendation to you is join Uncharted. Uh, Go to unchartedvet.com. I would sign up, uh, become part of our community. We've got a, a full school on this. We have constant, uh, we, have in, we have a strategic planning intensive course that's in the school. We'll probably doing, be doing that again around the beginning of the year. Um, we've got just little breakout workshops on doing each of these individual things. It is, it is amazing and it's worth your time. I, I just, I, I, I don't think, I don't know how we unpack it on a podcast. Right. I think we have to work through. So anyway, the long-term answer is get into the why of your practice, have those conversations, get your team to take ownership of your practice and put back forward 
guys, this is what we believe in. This is where we're going. And then staying busy and working towards a purpose, it makes sense at a deep level. Totally. Totally. And, and I, I think that they, when you talk about engagement, you're talking about your team buying into what they're doing and why they're doing it. And the second half of that is so important. If they don't understand the why they're, they're not going to get it. And, and that is part of where you have to allow them to empathize with you. If you're worried about money, if you're worried about clients coming in the door, if you're worried about those things, you, you should be able to have the conversation and address the concerns that you have with them. You should be able to share, hey guys, I know it's getting slower. Here's some things that I'm concerned about. This is this is something that I'm going to watch. Like if you're worried about, uh, you know, not having ex- like in this, the really common example is in the summertime, you don't think twice about overtime because you're just getting through what's coming in the door. But when fall hits and you're worried about numbers and you're worried about payroll, I start to see a lot of managers and owners be like, we can have no overtime. Like if, if that's a valid concern for you, if you're worried about that, share that with your team and just say, hey, guys, listen, we're it's it's quieter and I want to keep all of you, um, you know, actively employed and I want to keep our our numbers up. And so I just need you to know that we're going to be paying attention to this. And so we're going to be tackling it in two ways. We're going to be working on projects and training and stuff like that. And then the other thing we're going to be doing is is we may have some days where we ask who wants to go home or we draw straws or whatever. Like if you're open and honest with them and they understand the why of where the emotion is coming from, from you, they're going to have buy-in. Even if you haven't done the whole process to figure out what your core values are and your mission and, and the greater why, which you absolutely should do. And, and I love our strategic planning class. It's one of my favorite things that we've done. But if you haven't done that, they can still engage with your why as far as your concerns here. Yeah. Vulnerability is such power. And that's really what you're talking about is just saying, guys, things are slowing down mm-hmm. and we need to control costs. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my God, but Andy, they're going to realize that we're not rolling in money. They, you're a vet <laughs> clinic. They know you're not rolling in money. Like you're just being honest about right. the realities of, of what it means to be a vet clinic and, and what it means to be in your vet clinic right now. Right. And I think a lot of us feel like saying things like that or talking about those things is a signal to our team that we're a weak leader or, you know, we're we're obviously not doing it and making it look easy. Like it, I don't think anybody thinks that. Mm-hmm. I think being vulnerable and saying this is where we are and this is the reality of our situation and this is what we need to make happen. And then asking for help. That may feel weird. I don't think that there's a better approach than that. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about two other tool, like actual tools in the toolbox that okay. you can use. Um, they aren't so much action steps, although there's some action. Um, there's a couple of things that I do. One um, at my current practice is we have a big whiteboard in our pharmacy in um, in our in our main hallway. And every um, month we put up a monthly project list. And so we kind of spend the whole year tackling those deep cleaning projects. And so some things come up more than once in the year, Um, you know, deep clean the cat ward, um, dust all of the tops of the cabinets, do the windexing of all the outdoor windows, whatever it is for your practice that are those bigger kind of rainy day projects, put it up visibly where everybody can see it on a regular basis. And then my team just crosses them off. They don't come off the board. They stay up there so that at the end of the month, we can see what have we accomplished? What do we still have to accomplish? But it's also right there visually in front of their faces all day long. And so when we do slow down, when we do have a slow moment for my floor leaders out there who are like, like me and are like, Oh God, I'm on the spot. Now, how do I come up with the rainy day checklist out of nowhere? It's super easy to just point to the board be like, well, it looks like we haven't, you know, deep cleaned exam room one yet this month. You want to get out the, you know, see mom and tackle that. Like it makes the job easier. Right. 
Um, the other, the other thing that goes along with that is we talked about training and we do the same kind of thing for training. So we have a, um, I've seen clinics have a list, uh, or a binder that lives in their hallway. Um, my, my team has a whiteboard in our treatment room and everybody's name is up on there and everybody has one thing that they're currently working on. So it relates to their personal professional goal that we set. Um, but it could be, uh, learning how to have the a conversation about leptospirosis or could be how to do, um, you know, jugular blood draws, whatever it is for each member of your team, it's up there on a board. And so we take advantage of knowing what everybody is working on and tackling those things first when we need an on the fly training um, thing to look at when it gets slow as a team. Cool. I love it. I've got nothing else to add. I think we've, uh, I think we've tackled this pretty darn well. I'm very happy with where we are. Totally. I hope I hope that this has been helpful. And and I think the the biggest takeaway for for me with this and just in talking through it with you is is just recognizing that it is easy to feel like um you're being taken advantage of or that your team is lacy. Like I can understand where that comes from because I've been in that position where you feel like, God, why can't they just work? And at the same time, it's also so easy to empathize with our teams. And so I think the happy medium comes from looking at that and looking at where is the, where are those emotions coming from, like you talked about in the very beginning, and then figure out how do you be open and honest with your team and how do you how do you actually address the the why here with them and get them to understand why you're feeling the way that you are, where you're coming from, and what are you guys going to do about it as a group? What is the expectation and how do you actually move forward productively as a team? Yeah, put the flaming sword of justice down <laughs> and tell the flying monkeys to wait at home. <laughs> I think that's the most important thing, but get past that into a productive conversation and you'll realize that you work with good people who they want to do a good job. They do. Awesome. Thanks, Steph. I do appreciate it as always. Yeah. Have a great week, you guys. And um, as always, if there is anything going on in your practice that you would love to um, talk about with us on the podcast, you can send us an email, right? Yep. Podcast at unchartedvet.com. Love it. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, Steph. See you later. Bye. Bye. And that is what we have for you today. Gang, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you got something out of it. As always, if you have questions for me and Steph, just send them our way. Podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's your friend. That's your email address where you can reach us. Give us enough backstory so that we can really get into the meat of this and help you out. But fire away. Podcast at unchartedvet.com is the email address, and we look forward to hearing from you sometime soon. If you're like, I don't have a question, I just really love what you're doing. I think this is so great. Thank you for having that thought. And thank you also, if you happen to have time, to go to iTunes and write us an honest review because that is how people find us. And it just it means the world to me. It brightens my day. Gang, have a wonderful week. We'll see you back next week. Take care. <laughs>